Hey y'all, I'm Tara Lynn, and this is Real Talk with T. So today's topic is going to be on healthy relationships. My five top things that I believe are at the core of a healthy relationship. So if they have these five core principles, um, I believe that they work. And the only reason I say that is because these five things I've noticed not only in my therapeutic work, but in my own relationships, in my own experience in those relationships. I'm also going to apply these five principles to the Bible and how God sees relationships and how God sees these five principles active in relationships. So let's just jump right in. The first principle I believe that is important in a healthy relationship is growth, that you are constantly moving towards a goal. That means your partner is holding you accountable, your friend is holding you accountable to achieving something bigger than you and and motivating you to make that goal a reality. So the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. So pretty much this means that you can only sharpen a knife against um, another form of iron, right? You can't sharpen a knife on wood. What this is saying is that we need to build each other up. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. So we need to, one, hold our partner accountable or our friend accountable, but we also need to build them up. We need to be their cheerleader. We need to, you know, propel them forward in whatever it is that they're seeking. So sometimes, you know, as people, we can kind of get at a standstill. We can kind of lose hope or faith in something that we've always believed that we would do. And I think it's really up to the people that you surround yourself with to hold on to the fire that keeps you going. So again, the first principle in a healthy relationship is, are they helping you grow? The second one is the ability to overcome challenges, right? So God says in um, John 16, 33, that We will face trials. We will face struggles in this world, but to take heart because he has already conquered it. That means he has already won the battle. That means we have victory in him. Therefore, we need people in our lives that are going to continue to point us to Jesus, continue to point us to the victor. So that way we can overcome whatever struggles we do face. If the person in your life is continuously pointing you back to the hope the truth, the life that you are made to live, then it probably says a lot about that person, but also a lot about your relationship. This person isn't, as I like to call it, sitting in your pity party. So I do believe as a therapist that we need to process what is happening to us, but that friend should help us process so we can overcome it, that we're not sitting in it. We're not continuously complaining about how, you know, we need to be healthier and how we need to do these things, but they're actually helping you do that. So, you know, when something devastating happens in your life, this person isn't just allowing you to just sit there, but this person is is pointing you back to what is good, what is true, and what is right, so that we can continue to build on your life. You don't take, you know, 10 steps back, you but you propel forward even in the challenge, right? Even in the pain, even in the suffering, you still can overcome those things. So if this person in your life is allowing you to process those things and be vulnerable, then continuously say, but you can do this, Terrilyn. You've got this. Not only that, but they're pointing out the gold inside of you so that way you use it. 
Alrighty. So that moves us to um, the third principle that I believe makes a healthy relationship. And that is effective communication. So yes, communicating is important, but how you communicate is way more important. So if we're just, you know, yelling at our partner, yelling at our friends or, and we're never actually telling them our needs, our wants, our desires, like we need to be able to communicate what we need from the person um, that we want this healthy relationship with. And if we can't do that, then there's probably a lack of intimacy in your relationship. And I'll get to that, but we need to make sure that we are being effective communicators. And it's not always easy, but if you have a partner who you trust, who you love, who stands for what you stand for, then this is the greatest person to start working on that. We don't come out of the womb, you know, the best communicators ever, but we do have to work at it. It is something that we can strive for. So in the Bible, um, God talks about how death and life come out of your tongue. And I think that this is a powerful statement because it's true, right? If I continuously speak to something in a manner that is not effective, right? It's not actually building life, then it's probably going to die. And, and I say that because relationships die because of the lack of effective communication. So many relationships could have been great, but because they didn't communicate well, nobody ever knew what they needed, what they wanted. Like if you can't even communicate your goals, right, your desires, then how do you expect to work and grow in this relationship or overcome challenges? So back to the two principles, right? You can't grow and you can't um, overcome challenges if you don't have effective communication. The Bible also says in Ecclesiastes 3, 7, that there is a time to tear and a time to sow and a time to be silent and a time to speak. So this is also important, right? Effective communication isn't just words, but it's also your body language. Are you rolling your eyes when your husband speaks? Are you laughing when something is serious? The communication that you have with your partner or with your friend is not just what you say, but it's also how you are. So you communicate in verbals and nonverbals. So I think that in this moment, it's saying, you know, there's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. So maybe when you're in a group of friends, you're in your, with your significant other and you guys have a disagreement, you and your partner. So instead of hashing out that argument or making your husband or your wife look bad in front of other people, you stay silent. You allow it to just ride out. And then when the moment is right, there's a time to speak. And so again, right, what does our body language say? And is it time to speak yet? Or is it a, just a time to be silent? And I think sometimes we are we are all so quick to, to talk instead of being like, hey, actually, in this moment, I need some silence. I need to wait on it. I need to make sure that I'm not speaking for my flesh, but I'm speaking for my spirit. And to me, that's effective communication is being able to discern, is this the right time? Is this the right time to have this conversation? If not, then hold out hold out this conversation until it's ready because that's what makes it effective, right? We can communicate, yes, but what makes it effective communication is knowing when. So that leads me to number four, which I think the last two are some of the most pivotal and the most foundational to a really healthy relationship. And not just a healthy relationship, but an authentic relationship. Something that never changes, it never withers. So maybe you go, you know, 
three to four years without talking to this person, three to four months. But you can get in a room with them and this conversation is like you never spent that time away. You start talking, you start engaging with this person and it's like they never left or you never left. And so these two things I think are sometimes what I would call the foundation to a healthy relationship. And the fourth one, the fourth principle I'm going to talk about is vulnerability. Being vulnerable breeds intimacy. The more intimate you are in your relationship, the more likely it is that you're going to be able to effectively communicate and overcome challenges and grow with this person. So I say that all to say is we're starting to see a correlation between the five principles is that without these all together, it's likely that, you know, we need to, and sometimes it's not that without them, but it's like we can always build and make these principles better. So, right, they all intertwine, but sometimes, you know, we maybe we lack effective communication. So then we need to start thinking, okay, am I being vulnerable enough? Am I able to trust this person? So I'm going to apply vulnerability to the Bible. And it's the shortest verse in the Bible, and many of you probably know it, but it's John eleven thirty five. It's Jesus wept. And I want to put some emphasis on this verse. And the only reason I do is because I believe that Jesus was probably the most vulnerable person to have ever walked this earth. And I say that because, think about it. He was God and man. He lived a life without sin. He walked into places and did things that, one, took courage, but also took a lot of vulnerability to say, this might not be a good idea. He went into so many vulnerable situations. And I think that not only that, but he had emotions. This verse tells us that, tells us that Jesus cried. Jesus had a heart. Not only that, but he had a love. And I think that we need to reflect Jesus in this. That even in his relationships, he was able to say things to them like, you're going to betray me. Like he was able to to do things that would have left him in a very vulnerable situation. At the end of the day, in order to have a healthy functioning relationship, there has to be intimacy. And so in order to have intimacy, you have to have vulnerability. I just want to also talk about how important emotions are, right? Yes, I don't believe that feelings are facts, but they do tell us something. And if we're able to express them to somebody, they have less power over us. So vulnerability is about speaking your emotions, speaking from the emotional part of who you are. And I believe that Jesus did that and that he would want you to do that too. Because what the devil will do is he will torment you with your emotions. Instead of being vulnerable with somebody else or even vulnerable with God about how you're feeling, Right now, the devil will use that against you instead of God using it for good. So again, your emotions tell you something. Allow them to have less power over you by speaking them to somebody. Being vulnerable with somebody will give you a lot more peace, which God intended for you in your life. The devil, on the other hand, wants to make you anxious with your feelings. He wants to tell you that they don't matter, right? That you should feel more of that, more pain, more shame, more guilt, more unworthiness. Where God wants to say, no, you tell somebody that they, that way they can sharpen you. If Jesus was vulnerable, you can be too. So the next principle I want to talk about is the fifth and final one, and that's love. 
The basis of every healthy relationship should be love. However, people get this twisted that they say, well, I love this person. So this relationship must be healthy. It's not the case. We can love a lot of people. We can love people very deeply and that relationship is still not healthy. And I think like the love is blind thing is um, actually what we allowed to cloud our judgment. We say, well, you know, we just love this person. So we tolerate things that we shouldn't tolerate. We love this person. So we allow them to speak death over us, even though we know we're worthy. Well, we love this person and they seem to support me and love me, but they always challenge my dreams, my aspirations. Maybe they're just trying to help me. No, because the people around you should believe with you. They should love with you. They should challenge you, but they should make you think about your aspirations, not not push them down or, or tell you that you can never do it. So again, the foundation of any relationship is love. But what kind of love? And the Bible does an amazing job at explaining what love truly is. And it's the infamous verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And it talks about what love is. If you notice, all of the words that God uses for love isn't feeling attached. None of them them is, you'll just know when you love somebody. Or you have butterflies, right? Those might be some attributes to love. But what love is, is a verb. It is patient. It is kind. It does things, right? So um, I'm going to read this because I think it's really powerful and can actually teach us a lot about what love is. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant and it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So God tells us what love is not. He tells us what love is. And he tells us that pretty much it is not just a feeling, but it is a verb, right? It's what we do and it's what we do not do. So what I really like about this is that I feel like the way that God presents love is all of the things that you probably think about when you think about a healthy relationship. And that's that it's not just about you, but it's about that person. It's not lies. It's truth. Love believes in the person. It believes in the person. It supports that person and it endures things that might happen with that person. So I think it's really important that love, even when things get tough, shines. That it's an action. That it's something I do, right? It's not just something that is. And so on top of that, I believe that love is a, is a form of serving. And even God came to serve. It says in Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's a very powerful verse specifically for me because I think it's so powerful when you're in a relationship with somebody who wants to serve you. And not only that, but you want to serve them and how they need to be served. And I use serve and love interchangeably because I think like you could say like God came to love, not necessarily to be loved. 
So it's learning how to love the person you're in a relationship with. How do they need to be loved? And how can you do a fantastic job at doing that? And vice versa, right? Is this person asking you how you need to be loved? Are they asking you what it is that you need so you can feel the most loved? Are they following the principles of 1 Corinthians 13? And if they are, then you're probably in a pretty healthy relationship. So again, I believe the five core principles to a healthy relationship are first, are you growing? Is there growth in that relationship? Two, the ability to overcome challenges. Are you able to overcome the struggles in which this relationship faces? Three, is there effective communication? Right? Are you able to communicate effectively, not only with your words, right, but with your body, with your attitude? Number four, vulnerability. Do you use your emotions to communicate something? Or are you allowing your emotions to control you? And are you using this person to help you become more vulnerable? Or are you holding on to everything and trying to do it yourself? Right? Because you're scared of this person, right? Because you don't actually trust this person and you don't want to be intimate. And lastly, is love a feeling for you? Just a feeling? Or is love something that you do in this relationship? Do you serve this person? Does this person serve you? Do they just tell you they love you or they, do they actually show it? Do they actually show that they love you? Well, that's all I have. So I hope this podcast helped you um, really narrow down what a healthy relationship is. And if you are in healthy relationships, I think that there's always room to grow that you know, maybe you're better at some of these than others. And maybe those people can help you in other ways that, th- that you're not really good at. But I think it's really important to start thinking, are my relationships healthy? Because with healthy relationships comes a healthy life. And not only that, a very successful one. Without powerful, authentic, real, and healthy relationships, it's likely that you, you feel like something's missing. You feel like you're alone, even when you're in a crowd of people. Because these relationships that you have aren't authentic. They're not real. They're not healthy. And they're not breeding your purpose inside of you. They're not getting you closer to what you've been called to do. So I love y'all. I hope this helped. And again, this has been Real Talk with T. I hope you guys have a great day. Talk to you guys next time.